Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Accumulus Station. Now, 1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Finishing up a full week of shows. Holiday weekend. So that means traffic's probably not very good. But at least you're not going to be working this weekend. Hopefully you'll be able to get out and enjoy it. And not forget about the sacrifices made by those that gave us the freedom to enjoy the kinds of things that we'll be able to do this weekend. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. Say it every night. I'm blessed beyond measure. Reasonable. Unreasonable. Doesn't matter. Unearned and undeserved grace from my Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you recognize just how blessed you are as well. If that's a conversation you would like to have further, please find me on Twitter or find somebody. But you can find me at jmartzone. My DMs are always wide open to have that discussion. Last night, the Raptors took a 3-2 series lead, 105-99 victors over the Bucks in Milwaukee, breaking serve in effect, getting the job done on the road. And yesterday in the first segment, I laid out a case, and this is a good reason if you don't already to subscribe to the Big Six with Jason Martin, and while you're there, the Pop Six with Jason Martin as well, through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, whatever your catcher is. I laid out a case as to how Kawhi Leonard is basically John Wick in the NBA. And not just John Wick, but John Wick that's wounded, but is still getting the job done, and you just can't kill this guy. Kawhi looked a little better last night than I expected him to physically. He was moving much better than he had been in the two previous games, where he just he looked not like a shell of himself. He just looked like he was battered. And he was having trouble, and he had landed awkwardly, earlier in the series, and it was causing him some issues. So he was facilitating more so than anything, but he was picked up by his bench. 48 points from the bench, and I considered the bench basically Marcus, Willem Dafoe's character in the original John Wick, which I wrote about two days ago with the Big Six blog. You can find that at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. So somebody last night asked me, after the game, somebody that clearly listened to the show, which I'm blessed to have you as a part of my audience, and and thank you for, for chiming in at Jmart Zone. Asked me who was Marcus last night, and the answer was easy. It was Fred Van Vliet. 21 points, a plus 28 in the plus-minus ranking. Ratings. 7 for 9 from 3. 7 for 13 overall. No turnovers. Now, he wasn't an assist machine or rebound machine, but that's not what he's out there to do. He's out there to shoot. And so he got hot. And even though Kawhi Leonard was playing facilitator in the first half, in the second half, he did everything he had to do and finished out with 35, 9, 7, and 4. And there was a concerted effort, very clearly, and the inside the NBA crew made mention of this after the game, 
that Kawhi Leonard conserved his energy. That Nick Nurse, that the Raptors decided, okay, if this thing is in crunch time and it's close, the guy that is the best player of all of the guys on both of these two teams, with all due respect to Giannis, who's probably about to win the NBA MVP award, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in this series. And he's proving it over and over again. And he's also proved it in the finals where he's been a finals MVP. So you need that guy to have a little bit of energy, a little bit of oomph, a little bit of acceleration, whatever it is he's got left. You need that from him down the stretch in this game more than you need it early, especially when they got the lead and guys were playing well. The bench mob for the first time showed up on the road in this series for one of these two teams. And it came at a terrible time for the Milwaukee Bucks who did not get a particularly strong effort from other guys that needed to show up for them, in particular Chris Middleton, who just could not find it last night. But your second-best player, the only other guy other than Giannis that can get his own shot, and a guy that can actually make a consistent jumper and a consistent three, that guy can't go for six points at home in a game five in a tie series, and you expect to win. That's how you get beat on the road, especially when Van Vliet comes off the bench and gives you 21 Lowry gives you 17. He wasn't great last night. He was 2 for 8 from 3 and 4 for 11. Mark Gasol did basically nothing. Danny Green did nothing, which is what he's done all season and certainly all postseason. Uh, Norman Powell only had 8 points. Ibaka only had 6. Siakam it was okay, but he was 5 for 15 for 14 points. This was Leonard and Van Vliet. Those two guys combined for 56 of the 105 points scored by the Raptors. And they needed every every one of them. They also needed the Bucks to forget how to play basketball in the last three or four minutes of that game. There were so many mistakes that were made. Multiple mistakes were made by Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe had 20 points last night, but Middleton couldn't find a shot, and it was Bledsoe that took 14 shots in that game to get his 20 points. Middleton didn't even get to double figures. Middleton's got to be the second option on that team. Eric Bledsoe needs to be driving to the rim, but his three ball late in the game wasn't dropping. And he kept taking shots. He also got caught late in the game, jumping into the air with no idea what he was going to do with the basketball, giving up his dribble, and either having to travel or throw it as he did awkwardly to Malcolm Brogdon where it went off his foot and went out of bounds, or went off his shin, rather, and went out of bounds. The Raptors looked like a team that had been there before in the end of this game, and the Milwaukee Bucks did not. And what's funny about that is the Raptors have not been here before, but one guy on that team has. And so you can rally around a guy that you trust in those moments. He's somebody that has been down this road before. He has made it to the promised land. He has kissed the Larry O'Brien trophy. He has won an NBA Finals MVP. He has done it all. He has beaten LeBron James in the NBA Finals. Toronto has gotten knocked out by LeBron year after year after year. And now this year, they're on the cusp of knocking out Giannis to get to the NBA Finals. In an NBA Finals that some believe is much more wide open if Kevin Durant can't get back and play for the Golden State Warriors. But the bigger issue right now is that you can look at Kawhi Leonard and you can say down the stretch, if I've got to go to battle with somebody, I'm going to battle with that guy. He's going to play defense. He's going to rebound. He's usually going to make the right pass. He made one bad pass, and that was late in the game, and it should have been intercepted, should have been taken away, should have been knocked away, and it should have been going the other way for Milwaukee. But instead, it did get to Kyle Lowry's hands, 
and Lowry was fouled. They tried to tackle him. Two or three guys, actually, I think it was just two, tried to tackle him. The refs didn't blow that whistle late, which, of course, led to what we would see in the end game here with the Bucks losing it by six. But Milwaukee's got to win two in a row. Interestingly, though, if the Raptors don't win in six, I don't think a lot of us believe they're going to go back to Milwaukee and win in seven, which is kind of crazy because I've just spent the opening segment today and yesterday talking about Kawhi Leonard being the one guy you can trust. Kawhi's not going to let them lose. But do I think they're going to win back-to-back on the road in Milwaukee? Milwaukee hadn't even lost three consecutive games all season long. And even more, in the postseason, what they've done. Winning in their building has been next to impossible. But what we have seen is that even though Giannis is probably about to be the MVP of the league, his game is extremely limited at this point because he has no jump shot and he can be exploited and fouled now even though you can't do it in the last two minutes, you've got to keep the ball out of his hands. If you're Milwaukee, because they're going to foul him when he's got the ball in his hands. And he went four for nine from the charity stripe last night, and he's airballed in consecutive games already this season. And he went six for ten in another game. He's not shooting the ball very well, and he's having to expend so much energy on the offensive end to take those three Euro steps or whatever it might be to get him to his spots that Toronto is finally starting to get the better of him. He's not frustrated on the court. He is, I mean, he's always got a scowl because he plays with such intensity. But he's falling around and he's stumbling with the ball and he's turning it over. And when his guys are not making shots, makes it a whole lot easier to collapse down on him. And and or last night when he went two for three from three, I'd let him do that all day long because he's not likely to do that very often. He did. He made two of three from beyond the arc in this game. That's not his game. If you're going to go down, go down with that guy taking threes. I think you can live with that if you're Nick Nurse. But Kawhi Leonard has the opportunity in front of the home crowd to go ahead and finish off the Bucks, win four in a row after falling down 2-0, including a game where it felt like the series was over in game one when they had Milwaukee and let them off the hook. You could win four in a row, send them home, and then have Saturday through Thursday to rest before Thursday night's game one of the NBA Finals, which is exactly what the doctor ordered for Kawhi Leonard. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Bucks are sitting around watching this series and watching these two teams just go at it and they're laughing themselves stupid. Looks like Kevin Durant's not going to play early in the finals. I first guessed this and said I didn't think he would play again this year. Maybe he will late in the series, but this mild calf strain was not mild. This is just like, to me, LeBron saying, I dodged a bullet. Remember he said that on Christmas Day, and then five weeks later he came back on the floor. This is a three- to four-week injury. Is how it really was, how most people saw it when it first happened. Once we realized it was not an Achilles, it was still a three to four week. Well, this is about the third week coming up next week. He has not returned to the court at all to work on his game. He can't. So it's going to take time. Most people believe now that DeMarcus Cousins is going to get on the floor before Kevin Durant does, which is kind of unbelievable in its own right. But Kawhi needs the rest. He doesn't need to play a game seven on Monday. He doesn't need to have to expend that energy just to win. This thing needs to end in six for them. And if it doesn't end in six, you have to feel like Milwaukee's going to go home and get the job done. And they're going to win it in seven. And then we're going to be right back where we started, where we thought, okay, well, it's Bucks warriors 
and then a bunch of people in the media who have not been paying attention to basketball for the last five years are going to suggest to you that if Kevin Durant doesn't play, the Bucks are going to win the NBA championship. I, even though I'm not a betting man, would be placing all the money in the world on the Golden State Warriors, watching both of these two teams play in the Eastern Conference. They are expending a ton of energy. Kawhi Leonard is wearing down because of how hard he's having to play. Credit to Nick Nurse for starting to use that bench, but that bench in the NBA Finals is not going to be quite as effective. And Giannis is looking like Swiss cheese in terms of his game. There are holes there. There are flaws there. He can be exploited. He can actually be taken out late in games. I mean, he was out for the last... He went out with like a minute 20 left, and Chris Webber started killing him on the broadcast, and it came right after he turned his ankle... Bucks think he'll play tomorrow. He better play tomorrow. I'm sure he will. But then he sat on the scores table. He didn't check all the way out. He sat on the scores table and came back in with like 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And that was because I think they didn't want him on the floor because they just fouled him and dared him to go make free throws, which he had not proven to do all night long and much during this series. This is a guy who shot 73% during the regular season from the line, well under 67 now. And I don't know if that's a pressure thing, but I've told you before, the NBA is a stepping stone kind of league. You're taking, you're not leaping three or four steps. You are actually usually moving one. And so the Bucks have already gone further than you might expect a young team to go, but eventually you hit a wall and you learn from the experience. You go improve your game and you come back the next season hungrier. And then with those things behind you, you're able to ascend to new levels. The Bulls had to get past the Pistons after losing to them a few times. That's just kind of the way it is. Eventually, there's a torch passing here. So we may see that from the Bucks next year because Giannis is almost assuredly going to work on his jumper, work on his free throws. He's already got the post moves, and he's got certainly the driving lanes, and he's an amazing player. But to take the step he needs to take, he's got to be a more efficient shooter. And so I imagine that's exactly what he's going to commit himself to in the offseason. I can't wait to see what he does next year. He doesn't strike me as Dwight Howard. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's just going to rest on his freakish athleticism and things like that. He wants to get better because he wants to dominate the league, and he cares about wins and losses. He's not just out there to have fun, which is what Dwight Howard has said throughout much of his career while no one around him has had very much fun since he left Orlando. But Kawhi Leonard, warrior, got it done again, 35 points. Can he get it done at home in Game 6? That's the question. We'll all be watching that tomorrow night in the middle of the holiday weekend a little bit of a late start at 8.30 Eastern time. It'll be 7.30 here, thank goodness. And I'll be talking about it on Fox Sports Radio Sunday morning at 2 a.m. right here on 104.5 The Zone. When we come back, in fighting with the Houston Rockets. Man, man, man. Things that are not surprising at all about that organization. Plus some interesting news about Kevin Durant. A lot to get to today here on The Five The Zone. Welcome back in. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. The Memorial Day weekend may have already begun for you. If so, hopefully you're safe. And if not, appreciate you chiming in with me. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. This show is brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. I want to talk about happiness in the NBA. Sometimes... 
things that you have to say turn out to be quite fortuitous to what you're about to say. And I want to talk about two different things, actually. I want to talk about Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I also want to talk about this story from Sham Sarania of The Athletic. Of course, used to be with Yahoo. Just like Adrian Wojnarowski used to be with Yahoo. Now he's with The Athletic as Shams. And he wrote this about the Rockets. It's an ongoing pursuit for Houston. The balance between more movement and isolation Harden. And some have pushed for more ball energy. Harden, of course, thrives best in isolation and dominating the opposing team as a lead playmaker and shot creator. Paul came from a similar system in Los Angeles for where he and fellow Clippers star Blake Griffin orchestrated the offenses with the ball in their hands. Perhaps the Rockets coaching staff's next great challenge will be integrating more ball and player movement. But the reason why this article was written was because of the next paragraph. But Harden and Paul had tense moments with one another throughout game six, culminating in a verbal back and forth post game that went into the locker room. Sources said the verbal exchange between Harden and Paul was regarding the ball distribution throughout game six. By the time the remainder of the locker room was ready to talk, Paul and Harden had gone their separate ways, with Paul swiftly making his way to the postgame podium. Eric Gordon told The Athletic back in December, we can't compare this team to last year because we've had a lot of changes. More young guys. We just have to look forward to what's next. Look how they're playing. That's how we used to play. Sharing the ball, getting up and down and attacking. We're not doing that anymore. We're just not using some guys the right way. Are we going to make the right sacrifices? Do we have the right attitude? Man, winning cures all. But when you start losing, all of a sudden it becomes, let's find out who we can, who we can assess blame to. There is speculation that Mike D'Antoni is going to get asked to sign a three-year extension in Houston. Mike D'Antoni, who has not reached an NBA Finals, but he's not the problem in Houston. They brought back in their defensive coordinator, and they were a great defensive team. He has been incredibly flexible, has D'Antoni, with his offense. This is a guy who was known for ball movement in Phoenix. You know, getting a shot up within seven seconds off the shot clock, but extra passes. And a point guard in Steve Nash who could score, but also facilitated more often than not. And D'Antoni has completely changed what he does to fit what James Harden likes to do, which is play isolation, step back three, with the kick out and all of those things. Chris Paul is used to ball distribution, which is what Shams points out in this article. And then there's this. And I heard this, and I'd already heard this, and I don't think this is going to come as any great surprise to anybody who has paid attention to this team because they are rather unlikable. But there are numerous high-end, like A-level free agents over the last couple of years that had an opportunity to go to Houston and chose not to because, according to, and I heard Michael Wilbon say this yesterday, they don't want to play with James Harden. And there are a number of guys who have no interest in playing with Chris Paul. Both of them are difficult to deal with. Both of them needle the opponents on the floor, and maybe they've rubbed them the wrong way, but there's also a selfishness to them, according to these reports. These are free agents who can go anywhere, and I've talked about last week, I think it was, that athletes have gotten smarter, and they're not going to go to dumpster fire organizations, even if LeBron James is a guy standing there trying to sell you on the Lakers. If you look at everything surrounding it, the structure is falling apart. The wrong people are in charge. They're still trying to find Lakers people. Jeannie Buss doesn't look like she is prepared to do this job properly. Rob Palenka, 
I can't imagine why you'd want to be around that guy after what Magic Johnson said this week. And Magic, who has all the respect in the world, didn't just go after the Lakers. He napalmed the organization on the way out the door, an organization that he absolutely loves. He threw people out of the truck, ran over them, then grabbed the bus and ran over them, and then set both the truck and the bus ablaze while the people were underneath. It looked like a scene from John Wick. That's what Magic did. So who is it? Even if LeBron's on the other side of that bargaining table, who is it that's actually going to sit there and say, yeah, I want to join this? The New York, being a king in New York is unlike being a king just about anywhere. L.A. is the only difference in the NBA, but only in the NBA, really. And the Dodgers, to a, a lesser extent, but it's one of those two organizations. But it's New York. If you could go to the Knicks, where they haven't been relevant at all since the mid-'90s, and haven't won a championship since the 70s. If you could go there and reignite that franchise in front of that fan base that's been starving and still sells out, despite how bad that team has been, you would be a king. You would be a legend. And the media up in New York would never forget your name. But look at how many people pass up that opportunity. I don't think it's because they don't believe in themselves. It's because they look at James Dolan, and they look at the structure of that organization and say, nah, uh-uh, not for me. I want to go somewhere where it's actually fun. If you want to make the argument that Kevin Durant didn't leave because he couldn't beat the Golden State Warriors, you can make the argument that he saw what was happening in Golden State and said, I can have fun playing with Steph. I can have fun playing with Klay Thompson. I can deal with playing with Draymond Green. I like Steve Kerr as a coach. I'd rather play for him than Scott Brooks. And I'm tired of playing alongside Russell Westbrook. And now... There is a possibility that Kevin Durant is the guy that you don't necessarily want to play next to. Just like James Harden, just like Chris Paul, and yes, just like Kyrie Irving. It's interesting because when you think about Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I heard Brian Windhorst say this yesterday, that Kevin Durant and Kyrie are basically best friends at this point, and that you will determine where Kyrie goes based on where Kevin Durant goes. Wherever Kevin goes, that's probably where Kyrie's going, which is why I think they're both going to end up with the Knicks. These are, without question, the two most unhappy, seemingly unhappy people in the National Basketball Association. They are constantly in their feelings. They bristle at the media. They are both players that want to be the alpha dog, but I'm not sure they're capable of it. Kyrie has proven himself incapable of being the alpha dog. He is a fantastic second banana, but you are not winning a title with that guy as your first banana. We just saw how bad the Celtics were with him in that role this year as opposed to last year when he was on the bench and they were a blue-collar team that loved sharing the ball and didn't care who got the credit. Kyrie and Kevin Durant, two just ornery types who seem to find a way to be unhappy despite what they get to do for a living and how good they are at it and how blessed they are to be able to do it. Putting those two guys together, I don't even know what to make of how bad that could potentially be. On the floor, it could be amazing if they can actually handle it. But the New York media going after the two of those guys, if they go there, is incredible. So you've got in Houston, infighting between Harden and Paul because Paul wants... What do you remember with the Clippers, what D'Antoni used to do, the ball movement that he's watching the Golden State Warriors beat them with without Kevin Durant on the floor. And James Harden is an isolation basketball player. 
I don't even know if he could change his system. But there needs to be some kind of a happy medium, right? Generally in life, the best way to succeed is to find some level of compromise, to see it from someone else's perspective and to give them a little bit of leeway to come towards their side and let them come a little bit towards yours. Right now, there's an impasse. And the main reason there's an impasse is because they keep losing. And maybe the window has already shut because Chris Paul's days of being an elite point guard in this league are a wrap. He's not that guy anymore, even though they've pledged $112 million to him over the next three seasons, which makes him so difficult to try and move because who's going to take on that contract, especially if he brings a level of poison alongside him that's going to make it harder to land somebody else. This is not a league where one guy can win a championship. That's what we're finding out with Giannis Antetokounmpo, especially one that has flaws. Chris Paul can be an isolation player himself, or he used to be able to, but he's also a streaky shooter who was mainly the guy responsible for the reason they lost in Game 5 because he played so putridly at Oracle after Kevin Durant went down. He couldn't hit anything. Now, Harden was kind of, he pulled a Casper act as well. But there's more to this. But if nobody wants to play with Paul and Harden, then the team that you're looking at with Houston is the team you're going to have except older. And if I'm Mike D'Antoni, I'm trying to figure a way around this. If I'm Daryl Morey, the general manager, who loves analytics and and loves numbers and wants this offense to be based basically on math, I am a little bit worried about what's to come because there are other teams in the West where I like the makeup a little bit more. And then you look at the Houston Rockets. Harden and Paul doesn't look like a mixture that's going to win you a championship. The guy that I like most on that team is P.J. Tucker. I think he has a little bit of Draymond Green in him. I think he can do a multitude of things for you, and he shoots better than Draymond Green does. That's a guy I'd want on my team. But if the stories are true that free agents said thanks but no thanks to the Houston Rockets because they didn't want to play alongside James Harden and they didn't want to play alongside Chris Paul, that is a problem if you're the Houston Rockets because as you're currently constructed, you're probably still not going to get over the hump, even if Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors because that probably means Golden State's going to pay Klay Thompson and keep him there. I'll talk about Klay Thompson, what he's going to get paid, in the next segment because I can't believe how they determine Supermax contracts in the NBA right now. You won't either. But they'll pay Draymond Green and keep him there. Steph's never going to go anywhere, I don't think. Kerr's still going to be there. Iggy's probably still going to be there. And then if Durant leaves, they'll have an opportunity to go get somebody else. I think they may let DeMarcus Cousins go. I would, and I would see if I could attract somebody else. But if you can't get another guy to Houston, or if and they really don't have any cap space to play with, So I think they've got the wrong mixture. They've got two guys that nobody really wants to be around that believe differently in what should happen for them to win games. There's got to be compromise in Houston. Until there is, the results will continue to be the same. We'll be right back. Clay Thompson doesn't make the All-NBA team, and that cost him $30 million. I'll explain. Flash Golf Classic. Glad to have you with us on a Friday. Big Six finishing up the week for you here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog, lead writer 104.5thezone.com, host of the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. You can hear that on Sunday morning, 2 a.m., right here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone as well. So if I asked you who the most underrated player in the NBA is, maybe over the last four or five years, I think you'd have a variety of answers to that question. But I think the correct answer is Clay Thompson. 
Clay Thompson as a two-way player is an elite defender, has been his whole career, has been willing to sacrifice his offense at times in order to be a defensive stalwart alongside Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and to make up for Steph not necessarily being particularly great on defense and allowing Kevin Durant to expend more energy on the offensive end. Clay Thompson, on Thursday, found out that he was not on any of the three All-NBA teams, which I think is a travesty because there's at least three guys on the third team I would take him over right now. And the All-NBA teams are done as real teams where you have three front court players, you have two forwards, a center, and two guards. So it's not the 15 best players in the NBA. It's guys that make up this make up a starting roster. So LeBron James is a third-team All-NBA, which good for them that they got that right. He missed a lot of games. That team was not very good. And if you look at some of the other guys, they were more deserving. Kawhi's a second-team guy. He missed some games. I would have liked to have seen him on the first team. He's definitely a top-five player in the league. Kevin Durant's also on the second team. But back to this. I was talking about this, mor- about this, this morning on Outkick the Coverage as I was filling in for Clay Travis. I'll do that on Monday. You'll hear that show in its entirety, actually on Memorial Day, and we'll play it again as well at 8 a.m., so you'll have six hours of me to listen to on Monday morning. Aren't you lucky? Yes, I am speaking with a grin on my face in all sarcasm. But Clay Thompson, because he did not make an All-NBA team, is now not eligible to sign this summer the Supermax contract. (laughs) Seriously. If you don't make the All-NBA team, then that coming offseason, you can't make the max. And this according to ESPN and also other places. Thompson not eligible this summer to sign a five-year Supermax contract worth $221 million. He will instead be eligible for a five-year max deal worth $191 million once he becomes a free agent on July the 1st. First off, he was stunned when he found out. Reporters told him during media availability on Thursday he didn't make any of the three teams. And he thought that he should have. And he's right. He should have. The All-NBA teams are selected by media. They're selected by fans. Fans actually have votes. And then players have part of the vote as well. I don't know what to say about this, but I can't believe that the NBA Players Union, the NBA PA, that has a ton of power, way more than the NFL, somehow has compensation tied to who makes all NBA teams. Especially something that the fans actually have some level of control over. Can you imagine not being able to make the money, the max amount of money, the money that you deserve, the money you could get paid, the money someone would pay you for your services because you weren't, added to some list of the best 15 players in the NBA. And a list that's not the top 15 players, it's two forwards, a center, and two guards. I'm telling you right now, if you look at the third team right now in the All-NBA, and you could even potentially make an argument maybe for the second team as well in the All-NBA stuff as well. But let me just bring up the third team for you here, and I will discuss this. Third team, Russell Westbrook, Kimball Walker, Blake Griffin, Rudy Gobert, and LeBron James. I am taking Clay Thompson over Kimball Walker. I'm taking him over Blake Griffin. I'm taking him over Rudy Gobert. Jeff even argued with me this morning he would take him over Westbrook. Now, 
obviously, if you need a point guard, you're going to take him. But I'm not looking at it from that perspective because you assume if you take Clay Thompson, you have a point guard that can move the ball up the floor. It's not like Clay Thompson has to play the point guard spot. The way the All NBA teams are taken, the second team was Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving. I I know Kyrie's great. He's also a cancer. Clay Thompson's not. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, and then the first team was Harden, who we spent much of the last segment talking about, Giannis, Paul George, Steph, and Nikola Jokic. And all these guys are well-deserving. I'm not saying the guys on the third team aren't great players. I'm saying that Klay Thompson continually gets underrated. And even though he has not had a particularly good postseason, even since Durant went out, Klay Thompson hasn't been great. Steph's been all-time great, and Draymond's played the best basketball of his entire career by far and seems to be in the best mental shape I've ever seen him in as a pro. Back at Michigan State, when you didn't really hear anything negative about Draymond, he's been sort of obnoxious throughout much of his NBA career. All of a sudden, he's not, and he's playing the best basketball of his life, and he's a joy to watch with how hard he's going right now. And I don't know who is who exactly is going to stop all of what he does in the NBA Finals, whether or not it's Toronto or whether or not it's Milwaukee. But again, Klay Thompson can't make 221 mil. He can only make 191 mil because he wasn't selected to one of those three NBA teams. Imagine if the NFL did that. Imagine if any sport tied compensation to whether or not you made some list at the end of the year. And so Klay Thompson is a little bit miffed about this. He's miffed because he didn't get the honor, but I'm sure he's also miffed because it just cost him $30 million because he didn't get the honor. He's not a guy that you necessarily immediately think of because all of the other guys look it's one dude off of these teams except for two Warriors. But you have to look at Kimball Walker, Blake Griffin, Rudy Gobert, and say Clay Thompson's better than those three guys. He's more valuable than those three guys. That's why he's playing and they're not. Blake Griffin, you're not going to win a championship with him as your number one guy. Now, look, you're not going to win with Clay Thompson as your number one guy either. But if I'm LeBron James, that's who I want in Los Angeles. I know he's been in touch with Kawhi. Kawhi wants to be an alpha dog. I think he's going to go to the Clippers or he's going to stay with Toronto. Kevin Durant, I don't think he wants to go get an asterisk next to LeBron James. He wants to be an alpha dog with Kyrie Irving, and I think he'll go to New York. And then... Kimball Walker, maybe you get Kimball Walker. But I want Klay Thompson if I'm LeBron James, a guy that can shoot the lights out, play elite defense, and go do the tough things for me. Somebody that's going to make my life easier. Somebody I can trust and somebody with rings that are almost about to fill two hands from his time in Golden State. That's the guy I want. I want to go get Klay Thompson. And now I guess you can get him for less money. I know Golden State's going to want to re-sign him, and if Durant leaves, Klay Thompson will probably stick in Golden State. If Durant stays, I think Klay Thompson will be had somewhere else. I don't know where that will be, necessarily, but I do know that it is utterly absurd that his money is tied up or is capped $30 million less than the max because he wasn't named to an all-NBA team. That seems grossly egregious. And amazingly unfair because he, there's nothing else he could have done but play basketball to the degree that he did. And because he's on a team with a Kevin Durant, where when Durant's on the floor, it's isolation balling, and Clay doesn't get nearly as many touches as otherwise, and Durant shoots so well, there's not as many rebounds to get either. 
He's had to sacrifice his offense. Like I said, when I made that Avengers comparison, I said he was Captain America. Captain America is the one who would always sacrifice, even though in the end it was Iron Man who did it in Endgame. But Captain America was the one that would generally be the sacrificial guy. Clay Thompson has been the sacrificial guy. And all it got him being the nice guy that committed to defense, did the tough stuff, let Steph be the guy, and let Kevin Durant be the guy, all it got him was $30 million less than it would have if he had been a little bit more selfish. I don't know what that necessarily says, but I can tell you that this is something that when they go through another collective bargaining agreement in the NBA, they need to get this thing changed. This is a bad rule. You should not have to make an all-NBA team to make the Supermax. If you're worth the Supermax, you should be able to be paid 221 mil for five years. Klay Thompson's worth that. If you believe he's a Supermax player, maybe you don't. You can hit me up at Jmart Zone and tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think Klay Thompson's the most underrated player of the decade in the NBA. Some people talk about Dame. I don't think Dame is necessarily underrated. Some people don't know about him because he's in Portland, but anybody that knows knows how good he is. C.J. McCollum, maybe you could call him underrated, except he disappeared in the last round of the postseason. So that harms him. And last year, he didn't play well in the playoffs either. So maybe the jury's out there. The most underrated guy somehow is Clay Thompson because he's forgotten about amongst bigger names and bigger personalities in Golden State. But without him, I don't think that team has the rings that it has. I know you can say that about Duran in the last two, but I'm not sure you win before Duran gets there or even come close to it, even with as great as Steph is, without what Clay Thompson's done. And that dude just got $30 million chopped off the top of what he can make because he was not one of the top 15 players done in a weird all-NBA structure. And that's ridiculous. We'll be right back to finish up the week. I, the Zone. segment of the program final segment of the week here on the big six 104.5 the zone but you'll hear me more later this weekend sunday morning 2 to 5 a.m 2 to 4 right here on the zone you'll hear the first two hours live jason martin show on fox sports radio we will react to game six either previewing game seven of the eastern conference finals we're looking ahead to raptors warriors on thursday night in the nba finals by the way, we're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. Also, Squared Circle Radio Sunday morning, we will react to AEW, double or nothing. And we'll talk about WWE going to Saudi Arabia. If you missed last night, I had a rant on that in the final segment that I wish more people were taking seriously. Not my rant, but the story behind the rant. And you can subscribe to The Big Six with Jason Martin through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and make sure that you're up to date on all the shows that you might have missed. Chris Long retired from the NFL this week. He's a guy that played at an extremely high level, won a couple of Super Bowls, one with New England, one with Philadelphia. Howie Long's son. And he's also been sort of an outspoken activist. Uh, he was behind Colin Kaepernick. He was someone that has done a lot of charitable work and he's also been outspoken. And so he went on Dan Patrick earlier this week. And he talked about marijuana use in the NFL. And he said, look, I did it a lot when I was in the league. He clearly did it for recreational purposes as well. 
but there is certainly the discussion out there about pain management. And so in as candid a way as you're likely to hear, Chris Long laid out the case that, look, you know when these tests are coming. They tell you when the tests are coming, so you're able to get clean and beat those drug tests, which tells me if you're failing them, then you do have a problem. If you can't get off the weed long enough to pass the drug test and get back on it, then that's an issue. But the bigger issue is when these tests are coming and you're clean, you're still taking something to numb the pain. And so he talks about that's when you get into opiates. That is when you get into these painkillers that are destroying small communities. Not necessarily just right here, but all across the country. You're hearing stories all day long about OxyContin and hydrocodone and all these things that are tearing. It was meth a while ago. Now it's the opiate industry. It's ravaged places that I used to live. My hometown is overrun with it. It's a huge problem. And so you take away marijuana from these guys and they're still in pain as they're preparing for the drug test. So they take these over-the-counter pain medications that they become super addicted to that actually can harm them and are ruining people and that are much more dangerous. I'm not somebody who's ever come out and talked about my take on marijuana and gateway drugs and all of these things. Like hard drugs, obviously, I'm against legalization there. But you look at alcohol and you look at marijuana, and I've been around both. When I was in college, people in my suite really enjoyed Mary Jane. Enjoyed it to a huge degree. In fact, one of the nicknames of one of my suite mates was Nugs, which I'm sure some of you know what that means. So I'm not here to talk about the positives and negatives, but I'll say if it's helping pain management, the NFL now said they've got an investigation or they're looking into this. They're going to study it to see whether or not it's something that should be talked about. One thing the XFL has gotten right is that it looks like they're just going to kind of look the other way when it comes to marijuana. Because really and truly, and you've heard about this in the NBA, and you're increasingly hearing about it in the NFL, and in the NHL, the policy generally is if you get dinged for weed, they call you up and they check on your mental well-being, and that's it. It's not something that leads to a suspension the same way. Look, if you're on crack and you're on the, all these other kinds of things, even recreationally, I can understand that vitriol. But marijuana does seemingly have medicinal healing uses for guys that are going through awful stuff. And if they are going to find a way to numb the pain anyway, I would much rather them be going the chronic route than going the opiate route. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And so Chris Long came out and basically said that. He said, we're going to find a way. If we have to get clean for these tests, then we've got to take those pills. We've got to go take those things that are a lot more dangerous. And he was saying that's what his teammates do. That's what other guys in the league do. That's widespread amongst them. And so as the NFL looks into this, and I don't know how long this is going to take for them to figure it out, they really just need to get to the point where they're not actively seeking it out and narking on it. If guys are doing it, it should not cost them their careers. Because I can understand performance-enhancing drugs because they're performance-enhancing drugs. And some people will try to say, yeah, well, you got to play with pain. So if you're numbing the pain, that's a performance enhancer. I guess, but you're splitting hairs there. I'm not saying that I'm necessarily pro pot down the street at every drugstore. I am saying 
that some of the things that are legal in this country and some that aren't doesn't always make all that much sense. Doesn't always wash. And it has to do with regulation and who is getting money and who is not. But when you look at the NFL, you just want these guys to have some semblance of a decent quality of life. We know of the horror stories after they leave. But the pain that they live in during the season in particular, when you get to like week 9 or 10 and they're all just battered and bruised, beaten down, if that's going to take the edge off, then I would much rather that be the option, especially if it's controlled in some manner, than them going the Oxycontin or Hydrocodone or something out of a pill bottle route. Because that, ladies and gentlemen, is dangerous. We know this. There are enough studies out there to prove that it is destructive and dangerous. So Chris Long actually may have done a service here because this debate is one that continues to be had, is going to continue to be had, and should continue to be looked into and taken seriously. Jason Martin Show Sunday morning, 2 to 5 a.m. And Squared Circle Radio Sunday morning as well. And then Monday, I'll be in for Clay Travis. That show will air it in its entirety. Then the Wake Up Zone Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I'm flying to L.A., folks, and you can't go. But have a great Memorial Day. Be safe. Be happy. Remember those that we've lost that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.